The second reading tonight comes from Haggai, chapter 2, verses 1 to 9. Haggai, chapter 2, starting from verse 1. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shiltiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw the house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you and when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and the desired of all nations will come, and I will fill the house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Well, good evening. Good evening. Hello, good to see you. Um, great you could make it here this evening. If you've got Bibles, uh, it'd be great if you keep them open at Haggai chapter 2 there. We're going to spend a bit of time looking at that together again now, but let's pray that God will work in us as we do. Heavenly Father, we do pray that your spirit will be at work in us as you promised that you were with these people in Haggai's day by your spirit. Uh, you've also promised that you'll be with us. And so we want to take hold of that promise. And, uh, and we thank you for it. And we ask that as a result, your spirit will so work in our hearts and minds that it will lead us to the faith the trust in you that you would have us have, and the lives that come from that faith. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. How do you keep going in the Christian life when you feel discouraged at your lack of progress and when the gap between your expectations of how things should be and the reality of what it's actually like when that gap seems, well, big, when, when reality doesn't live up to expectations, it can be discouraging, right? And it can be demotivating. I think about that every time I try and get back into running after a bit of a break. I, I guess I consider myself a sporadic runner. Sometimes I, I run consistently for a while and then I have a break because of injury or sickness or laziness or whatever it is. And then I try and get back into it and I think this is going to be great and I get all motivated and I think about how it's going to be and then I actually get my shoes on and get out the door and get 500 metres down the road and the legs are aching, the lungs are burning and I think, what was I thinking? This, this isn't going the way that I expected. This isn't what I was thinking. I can't keep this up. And so the gap between expectations and reality is, is big and it becomes demotivating. And I suspect that sometimes that same thing can apply when it comes to living the Christian life, particularly in, I guess, our struggle with sin, our struggle to live 
the way that God calls us to live. When I see a big gap between the person that God wants me to be and what I'm actually like now. You know, we're supposed to be becoming more like Jesus, right? As his spirit does his life-changing work in us. But sometimes progress can seem patchy at best, right? You know, we take two steps forward and then three steps back and there is still a long way to go. And when I look at the days and the months and even the years ahead, maybe it's hard to see how my struggle today, my struggle with sin today, is actually getting anywhere or getting any better. The goal seems so far away, maybe unachievable. So how can I continue in this struggle when I feel like I'm not really getting anywhere? Well, that kind of question is one that was plaguing the people of Haggai's day. They were facing a task that seemed impossible and the gap between what God wanted them to do and and what they could see in front of them just seemed too big. And it seemed like an impossible task. It was discouraging and demotivating. And today we're going to see what God had to say to these people and as a result what he has to say to us. But let's just, let me just remind us of, of where we are in the, in the story of the Bible. Haggai is the story of rebuilding God's temple. And if we can get a timeline up there, thanks Christian. We're about, well not about, we are 520 BC, which is about 500 years before Jesus and about 500 years after King David and King Solomon, which was that high point in Israel's history. The people of Judah and Jerusalem had now, in Haggai's day, had returned from exile in Babylon about 20 years prior to Haggai's prophecies and they'd returned to rebuild God's temple that had been destroyed. But they didn't. And this is what we heard last week in chapter 1. The word of God to them through Haggai was a rebuke for not rebuilding his temple. They were busy carrying on with their own lives, rebuilding their own houses, but not rebuilding God's house. They weren't concerned about God's priorities, what God wanted. And so God's word to them was, stop chasing after your own things, your own concerns, and build my house for the glory of God. And they did. They heard what God said to them through the prophet, and they obeyed, they repented, and they got to work and started rebuilding the temple. Now, that was about a month ago for these guys. If you look at the the time reference at the end of chapter 1 and then at the beginning of chapter 2, that's about a month ago. And so now, a month later, the word of God comes to them again, but this time, instead of a rebuke to them, it's a word of encouragement, an encouragement to keep going. And the reason they need this encouragement is because they are facing a disappointing reality. And that's our first point. They're facing a disappointing reality. This new temple they were building was not nearly as good as, the one, as what they were hoping for. So have a look at verses 1 to 3 with me now. Verse 1. In the second year of King Darius, on the first, 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them... Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? 
Does it not seem to you like nothing? Now notice that God is talking here to the older people among them. People who were old enough to have seen the temple before it was destroyed. So we're talking about 70 years. And God tells them what they're already thinking. He's saying, you saw that old temple, right? What do you think of this new one now in comparison? Don't you think it's nothing compared to what that was like? See, God is giving voice to the disappointment that they really already have. This is not what we were hoping for. This is not what we were expecting. Even in these early stages of rebuilding, they could see that this temple was going to be nowhere near as good as the old one. It would be like, imagine if you're, rebuilding, you're building a house, right? And you visit the building site and you expect to see the beginnings of a great mansion, and you turn up and you discover a garden shed and a, and a rickety broken down one at that. And you think, you call the, the builder aside and you say, hey, where's the rest of it? And he says, no, this, this is it. So we, we ran out of resources, we ran out of money, and this is, this is all we could do. But if you, you know, if you just imagine, we could probably put a little kitchen in one corner and maybe a bedroom in the other. And if, we, if you want, we can put a port loo next to it so you can have a bathroom. You'd be thinking, no, that's not what I was expecting. That's disappointing, isn't it? It's discouraging. For these guys, that's what this was like. They had seen that old temple and how great that was and they think they're starting on something like that again. But this new one was nothing in comparison. And that was discouraging. They'd finally gotten their act together, right? They'd, they'd finally aligned their priorities with God's priorities, with what God wants, and already it feels impossible. And God knows that. He knows what they're thinking and he knows that they're right. So what's God going to say to help them in their discouragement? What's he going to say that might stop them from giving up, from kind of downing tools, chucking in the towel? Well, verse 4 gives us the answer. It's a word of encouragement to keep going. Be strong and work, for I am with you. Be strong and work, for I am with you. Let me see, let me read verse 4. But now, be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you. Be strong and work, for I am with you. Now, the first part of that, be strong and work, is basically saying, just get on and do it. Notice that he doesn't deny that it's a difficult job that they've got ahead of them, nor does he deny that it looks discouraging. He doesn't say, well, look, if you come over here and look at what you've got from this angle, it's actually better than you think. He doesn't say that. He doesn't try and make it seem better than it is. He just says, I know what it looks like. I know it's not nearly as good as you were hoping for. I know how discouraging it is, but be strong and work. Just do it. Kind of sounds like the original Nike slogan, doesn't it? Just do it. Of course, there's a really important difference, I think, between the Nike's just do it and God's encouragement for them to be strong and work. And I found this Nike ad that kind of speaks to the idea behind Nike's just do it. See, it says everything you need is already inside. Just do it. Everything you need is already inside. It's about finding the strength within you. So, you know, dig deep. You can do it. Now, that might be fine if what you're trying to do is run up a hill, but that's not what these guys were trying to do. 
And notice the difference with what God says to them. He doesn't say everything you need is in you. He says, be strong and work because I am with you. You can keep going in this task with confidence, not because it's not as bad as you think, not because you are stronger than you think, but because I, God, am with you. And he reminds them of how he has been with them in the past, particularly when he rescued them out of Egypt and when he promised to them that he would be with them and he says, that promise still stands, I'm with you. That's what makes the difference. And that's why they should keep going and not be discouraged because God is with them. And then in the last bit of the passage, verses 6 to 9, we see what that actually means. So he's not even saying, I will give you the strength to do it. No, he's saying, I will do it. God will do it. See, however it looks now, however however discouraging it might be, be strong and work, because God is going to do something that is far better than you can imagine. What God is going to do is so significant that it's going to shake the world. Let me read now, verse 6 to 8, from verse 6. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake the nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. God is going to shake the earth. Now, I've never been in an earthquake. Has anyone been in an earthquake? A few people? Yeah, I can only imagine what it's like but I've got a friend who lives in Christchurch and he was in that earthquake that happened in 2011 and afterwards he said something to me that you kind of take for granted I think he said you know the ground is the most stable thing that we know it's the most secure thing that we know and he said that after the earthquake it was so unsettling to to kind of realize that that thing that you just take for granted as being secure and stable It's not. And there is nothing to hold on to and there is nothing you can do about it. And God's saying that's the kind of power, that that earth-shaking power that he has to change the world. There is nothing that can stop God from achieving his purpose for a glorious temple. He's going to shake the world like like a kid shaking a snow globe. That's how kind of easy it is for him. And when he does, he says, the wealth of the nations will kind of come tumbling out and into the temple. See, one of the problems that the Israelites had with building this new temple was a lack of resources. They didn't have what they needed to make it spectacular, like Solomon's temple was covered with gold and silver and all kinds of expensive things, and they just didn't have any of that. But God says, don't worry about it. The gold is mine, the silver is mine, and I will shake the world, and the wealth of the nations will flow into this temple. And see, God has already done this kind of thing in the past. God has shaken the world, literally, and that would have reminded them of when they were standing around Mount Sinai and and he shook the ground. But also, politically, when God shook powerful nations and caused such an upheaval in world politics that nations rose and fell. So when he rescued them out of of Egypt, he, he caused the Egyptians to give the Israelites, their gold and silver, right? And when Solomon built his temple, the wealth of the nations came flowing into Israel so that he could build it. 
And just a little while before Haggai is making this prophecy, God caused such an upheaval in world politics that the Babylonians, the the world superpower of the day whose empire just covered the known world for them, they fell and the Persians took over and the Persians sent the Israelites home to Jerusalem and they gave them the precious things from the temple to help them rebuild. And if you, if you did read Ezra, as I suggested during the week, you'll have seen that list of the things that they got given to take home to the temple with them, the gold and silver things, the wealth of the nations flowing into the temple. And now God is saying, actually, that's nothing compared to what I will do. He says, I won't just shake the nations, I will shake the universe, the heavens and the earth. And then he says in verse 9, and the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of that former house. And in this place, I will grant peace. He says, you remember that old temple that Solomon built? That's nothing compared to what I will do. So however discouraging it might seem, be strong and work. Keep going. Because God is not limited by your weakness. He is going to do his thing. Now, fast forward about 550 years and Jesus and his disciples are walking around a temple, a new temple that had been rebuilt and that was spectacular. And Jesus' disciples were marvelling at it and saying, check how, how good this is. They were impressed. And Jesus said to them, no, don't be impressed about that. That's nothing. Jesus was pointing them to the real fulfilment of Haggai's prophecy. As we heard last week, the temple that God is building is not made of stone and gold and silver. It's made of flesh and blood. With Jesus as the foundation, the cornerstone, and with us as living stones being built into a spiritual temple that brings glory to God and where there is permanent and lasting peace. That's what God has done through Jesus and in us. He has torn down the barriers between God and us so that we can have peace with God. We can have a perfect relationship with God. And he's torn down barriers between people to unite us to each other by his spirit so that we can have peace with each other as we gather as his people. And this achievement, God says, that declares God's wisdom and God's power to the universe, that God could bring his enemies wayward rebels back to himself and back to each other and bring peace that that declares God's glory but here I think is where this particular word of God really hits the ground for us because I wonder is that what you see when you look at yourself or when you look at us together as church in your own life or in our church Do you see the spiritual equivalent of silver and gold? Do you see yourself and us together proclaiming God's glory to the entire universe and saying, look at what God has done, isn't it magnificent? Is that what you see? Or do you see what the people of Haggai's day saw? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? This word from God is a word of encouragement for those who are discouraged and demotivated by what we see now. We look at ourselves and maybe we see more like the small, 
unfinished, unimpressive temple. We know that we don't look like that grand temple that brings glory to God. And, and the gap between where we are and where we should be, well, it, it does. It, it just seems too big. We're constantly confronted with our inability to live the life that God has called us to. The goal seems too difficult, too unachievable. So how can we stick at it when we feel like we have an impossible task? When I feel weighed down by this never-ending battle and and all the ways that I fail to live the life that God has called me to. When my victory in, in this area of life on one day is kind of soured by my failure the next day. Or when life is hard and that light at the end of the tunnel just seems so far away. How do we stick at it when it's hard to imagine tomorrow being any different to today? Or maybe I can imagine living for God today and tomorrow, but how can I possibly manage to keep this going for the next 10 years or 50 years? It just seems like such a a struggle. Sometimes the fight against sin can seem like running uphill on a treadmill. You're working hard and going nowhere. And so the temptation might be just to give up and get off, to throw our hands in the air and say, why even bother trying? Or alternatively, to lower our expectations and say, well, this will have to be good enough. We become happy with with mediocre, like we heard last week. We just get on with our lives and give God our second best. Or maybe the discouragement, as I said, is, is with church. Maybe you find church uninspiring. And I'm not talking about the preaching or the singing. I'm talking about who we are together. Now, we are meant to be a radically different kind of community, marked by unity and love. As God's Spirit draws us together to love and serve each other and to build each other up, and that we will become a beacon that shines out to the people around us and draws more people to God and this wonderful news of Jesus. And praise God for when we are like that. But if you spend any length of time in any church you'll see the cracks start to appear. Maybe we do seem more like that spiritual garden shed than a grand temple that brings glory to God. And so maybe it becomes easier just to disengage or or to move on. How do we stick at it and keep going when that gap between expectation and reality just seems too big? The answer is not to lower our expectations. This is where God gives us the same encouragement that he gave to those temple builders in Haggai's day. Be strong and work, for I am with you. God will do his work in you and in us, and he will far outshine anything you have ever seen before. And in Hebrews chapter 12, God repeats the words that he said through Haggai. He says, Once more I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens. And when he does, everything else will just fall away. And on that day we will see. We will see what he has done. You will see the perfect completion of what God is already working in you. And together you will see that we are this perfect heavenly church that God is building. That's what God will do with these weak and humble selves 
that are prone to fail. God is saying to us, this is my thing that I am doing. So stick at it. You may see a disappointing reality now. You may be discouraged now. But keep going. Be strong and work because I am with you and he will do it. And I think this can be a really helpful encouragement because what it means is that I just have to worry about today. Right? I just have to worry about today. Don't be overwhelmed by the fact that the struggle with sin seems endless and unwinnable. Just worry about today. Trust God today. Live for Jesus today. And let God worry about changing you in the long term and completely transforming you when Jesus returns. All he asks is that we live for Jesus today. You know, this, this reminds me of a friend of mine who I know was struggling with some significant personal things and challenges to his faith that he really seemed like he was at the end of his rope. And he just said, I don't know how I can keep going at this. And each day he would just put one foot in front of the other and he would do those things of trusting God on that day and then the next day and then the next day. And a year later he was still having the same difficulties but he was still trusting God. And I tell you, that is the kind of faith that God calls us to live. Trust him today and live for him today. When I was at Moore College studying theology, we used to have lunch together and one of the lecturers used to pray at the end of the meal and one of them in particular used to pray pretty much the same thing every day and what he would say is he would ask God that we would do the things that he had given us to do that day sorry do the good things that he had given us to do that day that's what God wants from you the good things that he has given you to do and the sin that he calls you to flee from that's our task trust him and live for him today and let God take care of the big picture so if you're feeling discouraged take courage in that be strong and work and trust God that he is doing his thing because he is with us let's pray heavenly father you know those things in our life that cause discouragement that seem to us like this is not what we were expecting of the Christian life and perhaps that make it hard for us to persevere. Father, we ask that you will help us to persevere in those and to look to you in those, to trust you today, to be strong and work, believing the promise that you are with us. And Father, we do look forward to that day when what we don't yet see, but that we hold on to by faith, when we will see it, when we will see the completion of what you are doing in us, both individually and together. And Father, we long for that day and we ask that that will encourage us to keep going to the end. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.